It's time to strap in for another edition of the Cars Guide podcast, the show that takes you beyond the test drive. This is episode number 227, Aftermarket versus Factory Ute Mods. I'm Cars Guide Deputy Editor James Cleary, and who else would be joining this podcast looking at the ins and outs of mods and accessories for your ute than Adventure Editor Marcus Craft. G'day, Crafty. Hello, everyone. And our Bush Curious Managing Editor, Head of Video, Matt Campbell. Hello, and thank you. We'll also take a look at the fresh metal we've been driving this week and dive into your feedback. YouTubers, you can jump ahead to each section of the show by the time codes in the notes or chapter markers in the timeline. So let's go. And look, all jokes aside, this is really a crafty special. Um, <laughs> when, you, when you already have or you're thinking about a ute, which direction do you go in for mods and or accessories? The dealer or the aftermarket or DIY? Um, plenty, <laughs> plenty to consider. Uh, price, quality, warranty, ease of fitment. Crafty, kick us off. Where, where do we, if you're in that situation... What are, the, what are the things that you should be considering with, with mods and, and accessories? Well, Joe, so you've pretty much summed up all the, all the crucial factors that, you know, I guess most people will take into account when they are uh, considering this. Uh, obviously, it's the convenience factor. If you're, if you're buying from a, from a showroom and, and you want it to roll out ready to go uh, with a snorkel and a bull bar and all that sort of stuff, then that's very convenient. And also you come in... Uh, in terms of warranty, you you are on the moral high ground. Uh, DIY, ooh, don't know. <laughs> I'd, probably, yes. I'd probably avoid that, mate, because that's that's fraught with uh, you know lots of lots of issues. If um, you if you can't get it happening with a coat hanger, um, some gaffer tape, <laughs> and some stockings, it's not worth doing. Uh, where I grew up, mate, up in Bundaberg, there are a lot of bull bars that that strangely look like pool fences to me. Mm. Uh, when they looked like they'd been lifted off someone's pool. The fence. best one was a mate of mine who had a little HB Tirana uh, back in the day, made his own bull bar, and when he bolted it on, realised that the main beams on either side were straight in front of the headlights. <laughs> <laughs> it got to the point where he was actually <laughs> fixing it on the car very and realised that uh, yeah, it's very handy. maybe DIY uh, isn't the go. <laughs> yeah, and, and if anyone's familiar with me at all and my yarns and, and my time on the podcast and with Cars Guide and, and 4x4 Australia, they'll know that I'm a massive fan of the Australian aftermarket industry. And that, for me, has set, um, has set the gold standard for the world for, for years, 20, 30 years. Um, and I'm talking about big mobs like ARB, uh, Ironman 4x4, uh, TJM, Oppie Lock, Opposite Lock, all those sort of all those sort of mobs, and there's a lot of um, smaller uh, independent companies yep. that that are doing really good products, and and these are products that are tested obviously in Australia, in Australian conditions. Very, you know, it's it's a tough environment. We've mm. got some tough tracks, some tough roads, uh, so so to be able to cope with those sort of uh, high stress demands. Uh, is, is crucial and Australian and, companies do that better than anyone. So, And I think there's also been in recent years um, a real uh, change in the dynamic of what the aftermarket is responsible for, um, you know, with increased levels of safety equipment on board in these vehicles, they have to think about that as well as what they always engineered the vehicle 
or the apart, part for the vehicle to do. So like, you know, they have to be mindful of uh, radar systems or camera systems that look forward in front of the vehicle so that, you know, nothing's triggering the camera. It, you know, it's not going to think that you're riding on someone's tailgate when it sees the edges of the hoops of the bull bar or something like that. Right, so yeah. there, there's a lot that goes into it and, you know, <clears throat> crashworthiness, airbag, uh, you know, how, how it reacts when there's a crash and the airbags go off and that sort of stuff. So that's just bull bars, but you know, you think of all the stuff that you can add to a, a modern day ute or four wheel drive and you know you, you're talking about a full scale armor around it's, in, the it's interesting if you fitted everything yeah i think that the tires would pop because there'd just be too much too much weight on board but I, I did a bit of digging around a lot of the oem you know consumer websites and there's just this laundry list of stuff i mean it, it obviously People do want to personalise their their ute. They want to for, for a specific purpose or maybe the way it looks. But it's everything from rubber mats and tow bars and bull bars and nudge bars and tonneaux and and tub mats and snorkels and weather shields and headlight mm. protectors and towing mm. mirrors and suspension upgrades. And crafty, I noticed that there are a few uh, where you have, say, it's a worn winch. Um, that Toyota and Nissan will offer a worn winch as an accessory. Um, that their dealer presumably or they somehow fit. What's the go there? You know, if you're if you're thinking about a winch, Warren has a good reputation. Are you going to do that through the dealer? Maybe it's a better price in the aftermarket. I I, I don't know which way to go. Yeah, well, I guess that comes down to to you know your personal preferences and the research that you do. Again, it's the convenience factor if it's rolling straight out with the winch on and everything else on. Um, I just wanted to go back to Matt's point and and touch on that because. For many years, uh, in terms of research and development, uh, Australian companies, again, like ARB uh, and those sort of mobs, uh, have, again, really set the standard because they don't take it lightly. And as Matt, uh, as Matt uh, mentioned, as soon as you start impacting driver-assist technology, mm. then, it, then, then it's a moot point. Like, you can't mm. put that aftermarket gear on. So these, so these companies get vehicles sometimes long before, uh, you know, they're made available to the public and they, and they target this thing and they go through it with a fine-tooth comb and they make sure that they, you know, they're not voiding any warranty or they're not impacting any driver assist tech. Uh, and, I mean, you know, now they've, they've got entire teams that that's their job to figure out, you know, how to do things safely, how to make them effective um, and how to make them cost effective for the company in, in terms of, you know, actually engineering and, and creating the things, but also more importantly, yeah, how to, how to keep the vehicle's integrity intact, like not, not affected at all. And how much, um, Crafty, would it get to the point where yeah, the aftermarket um, particular businesses have teams that approach that? What about collaboration between them and the manufacturer? Is there a lot of that or a bit of a line of demarcation between the two? I suppose it's in both parties' interests to get it right. Yeah, well, that's that's another really good point, and I'm sure uh, Matt can probably flesh this out after I um, bombard you with stuff. But um, uh, a really great case in point is Ford and the new Ranger and Everest, uh, you know, that sort of collaboration. And I think that's the way of the future. I think companies for a long time have seen the value in establishing a really strong relationship with a well-known and well-respected brand. Again, uh, you know, like ARB, uh, an Australian company that's 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 well respected around the world, like you know, that's that's a global, uh, uh, you know, uh, behemoth. That's um, and and Ford recognises that, 
and that's you know that's such a great um, for, for want of a less annoying word synergy mm. uh, because ARB. Uh, Make great products. You got to punctuate uh, that, by the way, <laughs> Crafty. You missed it. <laughs> oh, damn it! You missed it. <laughs> oh damn it! Yeah. Um, so, so, so products that really suit those vehicles, uh, and and a really good way of doing it. Like I've I've liked the classy way that that's been presented to the public. And if you were, were a Ranger or Everest fan before, or even if you weren't, I mean, they've had some uh, sort of eye-catching promotions uh, about that time about the yeah. ARB and the, and the Ford sort of collaboration. So, and on yeah. that topic with Ford, um, you know, they've obviously listened to the customer base uh, and, and listened to what they want because, you know, in their 10 things you need to know about the new Ranger, there's a, a shot of a space under the bonnet for a second battery, yeah, you know, and battery system, yeah. those sorts of things, you know, you don't necessarily find in every vehicle that you might want to add a second battery to for a dual battery system for your fridge or whatever it may be, you know? So there's, there's a lot of listening happening from the brands because they realize that this is a market that can be tapped pretty easily. Um, you know, for example, my dad uh, with his Isuzu Ute, he had the choice of five trays for a cab chassis Ute, like, and that's through the manufacturer. Um, yeah. If he went to the aftermarket, it, it, go, it grows exponentially because, you know, you can have whatever you want made for it. Um, mm. But again, like, you know, these, the, um, the tray that was fitted is designed for the purpose. Uh, you know, it's not going to affect any of the safety systems. It's, you know, it's all uh, legit, I guess you might say. Um, and you don't, I guess, in my mind, you do sort of have a slight risk factor if you do go to the aftermarket, if you are asking someone else to make your brand new vehicle better than it was designed to be, then you're always going to run a slight risk that it won't be as good as it could have been. That's yeah. my opinion. But. Yeah, I mean, I suppose also if you're Ford and you've got the Ranger and all of a sudden it's designed largely and, and engineered and developed in Australia but for, for global markets, there are things that are going to be priorities in Australia that may not be the same in the US. So you have to be thinking uh, and listening, as you say, Matt, um, all the time but to a pretty broad audience and maybe maybe on not so much compromises but you just have to think uh, creatively to be able to accommodate that in in various parts of the world and i think the other thing that you know probably the most common uh, upgrade for any off-road available vehicle as crafty says in pretty much every review he does is the tires like yeah. you know yeah. tires are, are the shortcoming in so many of these vehicles because they're designed for a cost for a, a reliability standpoint for a, um, a quietness standpoint you know they've got to be durable on road as well as off-road so you might have a very light duty all-terrain tire on a lot of these vehicles and that's the first thing that people swap out the wheels as well you know a lot of people don't like the alloy wheels that they get on on yeah. these higher spec utes in particular the number of um you know 18 inch alloy wheels that you find on gumtree and um those sorts of places of that have, people have just taken off because they've either put a steel wheel with a, a muddy on it or whatever yeah. Um, yeah. it's it's just a simple upgrade that people can make um and it's not going to avoid your warranty and you're not going to get in trouble from the cops unless it's um you know exceeding the limits of what it's designed to accommodate um so you know there's there's stuff that you can do that might not necessarily cost you tens of thousands of dollars but could give you considerably better uh, usability for your vehicle there's, yeah, well, that's, there's a, not... that's an 
Sorry, mate. That, no, that's an instant improvement in off-road ability, isn't it? I mean, you throw the tyres on and you sort the pressures out. Um, I just wanted to uh, uh, quickly say um, that it's good because you can spend as much money or as little money as you want. I mean, you can go full ball and you can stack the thing with aftermarket gear and, you know, it looks like it's ready for the, the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Or, or as Matt said, you can just do the tyres, maybe a mild suspension lift, and, and that's it. Maybe you get a storage platform for the roof. So the good thing is it's up to the owner and, and the owner's lifestyle. Um, and before I... I just realised I, I might upset a few of my DIY mates. The point is that, for better or worse, we all like picking <laughs> up the tools, but that can create problems, probably more so for me than a lot of our listeners, in, in terms of, uh, you know, how you affect the vehicle and whether you are uh, impacting the, the the warranty or the driver assist tech. So I certainly wouldn't, uh, you know, encourage people not to do that but but i think wherever you are state or territory make sure you are aware of uh of the law there um mm. you know especially in terms of suspension lifts and that sort of thing that um and and also you know the warranty on your vehicle and mm. and, and how your work will affect the you know the vehicle's safety i think to, to to your point matt there's nothing quite as satisfying as grabbing the sledgy. It doesn't have to be a full-size one, maybe a smaller one, and just encouraging a rim back into its original shape. That's that's very, very, very good. Um, and I do know, Crafty, you changed your middle name via deed poll. You now have two middle names, Tire Pressure. So it's Marcus yeah. Tire Pressure Craft, which yeah. is TP, which an is impre- TP, yeah, impressive. Yeah, which is unfortunately, unfortunately what, what a lot of people... <laughs> Say about toilet paper, TP. So unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, it's sad. But what are you? What are you going to do? the The other thing is, I noticed um, out of any of the manufacturers, Toyota goes down the road of the work site. In fact, a mining kind of environment. Now they have a whole bunch of of mods and accessories that are around that because they have large fleet customers that use their vehicles in that environment. They've got reflective tape, illuminated flags, you know, um, mm. side steps and grab rails and, and protectors for windows and, and all of that. They've obviously decided they want to cut of that business because there's there are a lot of people out there doing it, but they go hard at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's been a lucrative slice of the market for, for quite some time. And, I mean, that's that's a matter of necessity. I mean, the vehicle mm. has to has to cope in, in in remote area conditions, and you know we all know they're they're the harshest of the harsh mm. uh, in terms of terrain and heat and everything else that you've got to contend with. So that's why you know yeah they have rock sliders and you know everything to yes. to, to ensure that that vehicle will will you know will continue and someone gets out to a work site and then back to yeah. you know where they've got to get accommodation or whatever safely. Yes. I noticed also in terms of special mentions, um, I went to the Jeep site for the Gladiator. You can actually acquire an American flag decal for the bonnet and an army star graphic for the side. So um, I don't know what the uptake has been on that in Australia, but I thought it was worth a special call out. You can do that if you want to do it. Yeah, Um, there you go. The the other one is um, Mazda and Toyota will sell you a UHF radio. Um, which is something that a bit of an outlier. Not many people were doing that. Mitsubishi for the Triton will sell you a four-wheel drive decal set that just says four-wheel drive, includes left hand and right hand, yeah. 100, 129 bucks. 
Wow. <laughs> for your decal set. Uh, you just best, want it. It's one of the best lightweight mods you can do. Yeah, that's it. That improves <laughs> performance go. no end. As, uh, as well as some stickers that look like mud or bullet holes. Or yeah, that's yeah. right. The, it, you, t- you mentioned crafty suspension upgrades and a lift kit is a, a pretty common one. Mazda offers one through, through their site. <clears throat> Pardon me. But it's actually an ARB kit, um, mm. heavy duty. So there again, that that collaboration is obviously uh, hand in glove. Uh, but but Mazda's almost won out in offering that. Uh, I couldn't find much evidence uh, of that elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm sure it's going to become even more comprehensive as as we go on. You know, Utes have been the big sellers for for years and years in Australia, and the and and while it may be quietly. Uh, well, up till now, quietly ticking over in the background, like these collaborations and and, and these agreements, and the you know, you know, I'll, I'll give you these products and whatever. I th- I think it's just going to intensify, you know, as, yep. as the Ford and ARB uh, sort of partnership shows these these things. and people love them. You know, yep. people will spend like Matty said earlier on, people will spend tens of thousands of dollars, yeah, and that's being conservative on on all the gear and whatever. Maybe it it spends, you know, maybe it goes out to the desert, you know, once a year or once every five years. But but people love the lifestyle, mm. uh, and you know, and we, we all know we all know that bloke product. that decides to put a pie oven in his Amarok. <laughs> <laughs> hey? Yeah. Um, the the um, another one that I thought uh, was worth mentioning, and I reckon this would be worth having a lash at as a DIY, is for your Toyota Hilux canvas seat covers. <laughs> Unreal! I, I was so surprised to see that, and I thought, yeah, canvas seat covers, what a great idea! Wow, um, washable, tough, all of that. I reckon I could have a red hot go at that. And very well, uncomfortable. Uh, if, if you're wearing shorts and a singlet or if you go Oy. to the beach and you've got sand on you, you'll, very uncomfortable. You'll, you'll have a muddy greenhouse in your trousers. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, if you're up in Queensland, yeah. That's the, that's, the, that's the Toyota version. Mine would be uh, breathable, uh, oh, yeah. the, the highest quality material. Um, the seams may be visible, but you never know. All right. So that, that um, thank you. That was a great discussion, Crafty. It's, uh, it's pretty wide ranging, isn't it? A pretty it fertile, fertile ground for consideration. Mm when you're an SUV owner or prospective owner. Um, but I think from there, we will move on at, to our garage and talk about what we've been driving in the last week or so. And Matt, can I start with you, please? The, the clue the clue is already visible to people watching on YouTube. Yeah, it is. Um, I've been driving my long-term Kia Sportage GT line, turbo, petrol, DCT, DCT standing for dual clutch transmission. Um, and this is a car I've been spending the last five months or five and a half thousand kilometers in. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've got to know this vehicle very well. Um, as you can see from the images uh, on YouTube, if you're watching there, uh, the, I, I had a um, genuine Kia roof rack um, that I, I fit to it myself. Um, and also uh, Yakima um, cargo box on top. So I, I believe Yakima is the uh, genuine partner that um, uh, Kia uses in Australia to okay. uh, use for its roof racks and its um, roof systems, essentially. And, um, and you've got a bassinet in there for your baby girl, haven't you? That basically takes her out of play she, pretty easily. Oh, is she not supposed to ride up there? Oh, that's right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so that um, for us, because we've got um, a baby girl and two dogs, for us, um, 
we had to put a bunch of baby stuff up there, but also we put the dog beds in a plastic bag up there. So, you know, they're not getting the dog smell inside the car. Um, It Mm. means that, you know, you can still fully load the boot, but still see out the back window, um, which is something that I like to be able to do. Um, I know, you know, if you, if you fill up, fill up the the boot and you can't see out the back, uh, you're relying on your side mirrors. Obviously these cars like this have heaps and heaps of safety equipment to stop you from merging into someone behind you or whatever but um i just like to be able to see out the back but yeah. the the yeah. roof pod um it's been essential for us for a, a really long um week away that we did a uh, big trip and and lots of k's covered and it's just easy to put a bunch of stuff up there that you don't need to access as soon as you arrive sort of thing so can, can you feel the downforce in the corners gives you a bit of extra tracks <laughs> i wouldn't say it was formula one like but um the you can hear it whistling above you and you know it negates the point of the big panoramic sunroof a little bit when you've got a pot on top but um in other news about this car um i wouldn't recommend the 1.6 with the dual clutch um my my wrap-up video review will go into a fair bit more detail on it so stay tuned for that but um definitely after collecting a diesel version of the exact spec um, yesterday, um, the diesel is definitely the better vehicle to go for. So if you are considering a Sportage, make sure you check it out. Super. Good on you. Thanks, Matt. Now, Crafty, you've been dabbling in an area that you maybe haven't dabbled a lot uh, in, but uh, tell us what you've been up to. I spent the last five weeks riding in the roof pod on that's that's. Uh, oh, yeah. I heard a knocking <laughs> in there. You cut you cut the eye hole so you can look down through <laughs> the roof. Right. Right. Yeah. No, um, JC, I've actually been in electric vehicles or mm-hmm. EV for those of you who are much cooler than than I. Um, and I had a I had a ball. Um, I was in an Ionic uh, five first up. Just to give everyone a bit of background, we did a comparison. The yarn will be on the carsguide.com.au website in the next, oh, I don't know, week, week or so, as well as a comprehensive video. Uh, we had four vehicles. We had the BMW something, Matt, help me I-X. out here. That's, that's correct. <laughs> we, we, we actually had a Kia. Um, and EB6. Was, yeah, yep. that's it. Um, as well as the INAC 5 and the Polestar 2. Yeah, uh, which I spent a bit of time. In. I, well, I spent a bit of time in all of them, but I spent the lion's share of my time in the Ionic Five initially and the Polestar Two uh, when the test wrapped up. Uh, uh, unbelievable, and I can see. Uh, and this will be a whole another podcast for us. Uh, I can see now, having been in the seat for uh, for a chunk of time, that EVs are solidly the way of the future, and solidly the way of the future for off road vehicles. Um, I mean, obviously, technology is going to have to change, and we'll get into that in another uh, podcast and 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 power systems and and processes and that sort of thing. But so quiet, so nice to drive. Uh, I mean, there are sort of quibbles here and there in terms of um, ride quality and and build quality. Uh, but yeah, a whole lot of fun, really smooth. I was surprised some of them uh, chewed up a bit more power uh, at at pace than others uh and and charging is still not a convenient thing um i i stood at the end of the test for an hour and a half to get it up from i won't mention the vehicle it'll all come out in the arm but uh to get it from about 39 percent to to a comfortable 97 because i had quite a long drive well that, that i was talking to you while you were out there and i remember suggesting you should just duck into coals and get one of those economy packs 
So the batteries 30, and just 36 a little bit of soldering yeah. iron and plug yeah. it in. Yeah. No, no. But charge points are are a problem. Sorry, I'll just be really quick uh, because uh, when I picked up the vehicle initially, I went to to charge points that were uh, listed nearby me uh, on uh, maps. The problem is you get there, you know, one's offline, another one's parked in by a guy in a petrol vehicle who who couldn't give a rat's about, you know, the the plug point for for an EV. Um, So there are those sort of issues. Um, and it's you know, and it's nowhere near as convenient as just ripping into the, the corner servo and, and topping up or whatever. And so road trips, you know, demand a lot more planning and a lot more mm-hmm. consideration. But uh, all in all, yeah, I, I had a great time. Interesting. Oh, that's good. Great. Okay, Karate, we'll we'll uh, be looking forward to that. I'll uh, finish it off. Funnily enough, uh, with a Ute. Mm. Um, now. <laughs> uh, now, where am I? Uh, it was the BT fifty. I think it was an SP, and uh, we're talking in the mid-60K range, three-litre, four-cylinder turbo diesel, uh, six-speed auto, and uh, it's pretty up there in terms of its spec. Uh, It has leather. It has the dual uh, climate control, all of that kind of stuff. I found it to be relatively comfy. I I had a pretty brutal experience in a a D-Max a little while ago, and this one being a you know a very much comparable vehicle in terms of what's under the skin, um, all of a sudden you're in a much more civilized car, um, and the downside is yes it's a little bit noisy. Um, the diesel is going to come as a surprise if you're not used to that, but there's plenty of room, plenty of spec, plenty of safety, um, and I think in summing it up, our eldest daughter who's 21 uh, wants one. You know, she's driving, she's driving, she's driving a 10-year-old Yaris at the moment. She's like, oh, look at that thing. Wow. What if I got a dual cab ute? Okay. <laughs> um, so it, it does look appealing. It's in a paint called concrete. Uh, and I remember there was an FJ Cruiser Toyota color called cement. Um, so it's kind of a battle, <laughs> battle of the building materials. Yes. Um, so that's, that's gone uh, very well. Uh, so I, I enjoyed it. And uh, I think... Even up at that money, there is the value in the car if you're in that part of the market uh, for, for that kind of ute. For a little bit of context, JC, you were driving a D-Max SX single cab chassis yes. with nothing yes, in the tray yes. compared <laughs> to was... a dual cab Mazda VT50, which yes. is designed for comfort. So well, that's it. So <laughs> look, it, it, I'll be the first one to admit that it's it's not my area of uh, you know fine d- uh, detail expertise. But yeah, that D-Max was punishing. I, found it, I just found it. <laughs> and, oh, and I think I said this to you. But they all are. They all, I, yeah, I said, I said this to JC cab on cab the phone that they that's probably one of the better Best. examples <laughs> yeah, of, of a single yeah. cab oh, chassis. You know, yeah, that can be a lot harsher, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that, that was quite an experience. So <laughs> this one was different. Um, all right. Now, let me see. We are at feedback time. And comment of the week. It's on top of the shipping container at the front of the Cars Guide forecourt, bunting, balloons, and Hammer Rocks. Crafty, I thought it was super <sighs> appropriate. Your mate, Hammer. Yep. Um, we were talking about why are Aussies such bad drivers last week, and it <laughs> yes, got, a bit yes. of, got a bit of commentary. And Hammer made, I thought, a very interesting point. He said, I had a philosophy professor that once said, if the majority of law-abiding citizens regularly break a particular law, then there's something wrong with that law. Either it's seen as irrelevant for the situation it's for, or it's out of touch with the times. 
A great example of this are freeway motorway speed limits, which are set back in the 70s in New South Wales. Mm. The 110 kmh speed limit of the M1 motorway between Sydney and Newcastle is frequently exceeded by oh, most motorists. To say the least. Um, you know, and we're sure around Joel's Bridge, where the M1 have several tighter bends, it needs to be slower. The rest can handle faster speed limits. And, you know, Fat Man Overlanding chimed in and said, Various Australian bodies responsible for building our future motorways should take notes from the Germans. And he had a couple of points. There are no, he alleges there are no inclines greater than 10 degrees, so trucks don't lose too much momentum, and that, that corners are only of a certain radius. They have to be less than a certain radius mm -hmm. um, so that you can take them at, at a, a relatively high speed. Mm -hmm. But I, having said that, I would argue on knowing that, that bit of road, as, as all of us do, it's an exceptionally good dual carriageway. You know, it's, it's in great shape and could, without a doubt in my mind, accept a slightly higher um, speed limit. But um, th there you go. And I, I think that's true. And we mentioned in the podcast about if enough people ignore a particular rule, guideline or law, um, there are some jurisdictions where people are allowed to drive for a while, that the, the average speed is gauged and then the speed limit's set. You know, mm -hmm. let, let's see. People don't want to kill themselves. They want to drive at a speed that they're comfortable with. Let's yeah. see what that is and then think about a speed limit rather than this arbitrary, this is going to be such and such kilometres an hour. So mm -hmm. it's, an, it's an interesting point. Yep. All right. With that, we have reached the finish line. So I want to say thank you, Crafty. No, thank you. And thank you, Matt. Oh, it's been a pleasure. And thanks to our production polymath, Kazoo Tuner, and rocket recovery technician, Mr. Pritchard, for his continuing commitment to podcast excellence. Today, he's wearing a T-shirt saying, if I'm ever on life support, unplug me. Then plug me back in. See if that works. Um, <laughs> shark pants and socks that look like sandals. Um, jump, jump into the conversation. Cars Guides on Facebook and Instagram or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. Apple Podcast listeners, please may, uh, take a moment to rate and review the show. Uh, five is the preferred number of stars. Thank you. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the Cars Guide YouTube channel so you can stay on top of all our latest content. But before we go, did you hear Neil Diamond's listed his Volvo for sale on eBay? It's a Swede car online. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs>